0: Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. As I was impressed by the Holy Spirit to this month on judgment, I wanted to do a series of things, but things just kept coming back to me about judgment that the church needs to understand and know. So we come up with this thought, Ecclesical Judgment. The word ecclesial means things that are related to the church. It comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is the word most often translated in the Bible as church. It's the same word that Jesus used in the text that you read responsibly. Ekklesia was used to refer originally to a symbol of people congregating together. But Jesus used this word to imply a congregation whom he has called out. It was a summons to follow him. As many of you know, uh, a summons may be presented by a marshal or deputy. That don't mean you have to, that you will go to court. Even though it's lawful and binding, this following the summons is determined by your own action. And in our text, while Jesus never uses the word judgment, it's strongly implied. The passage gives us an example or a model of church discipline. And this is an issue that we don't like to talk about when we're talking about clean house among ourselves. The issue that Jesus is dealing with between Christian brothers, or in this case, disciples. And Jesus gives us a four-fold process of how to resolve disputes that will result in restoration and reconciliation. So as we go through these four steps, and then some, I want us to consider where God would have us at and what he would have us to do. Let's look at step one. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, entire passage of 15 and 20, we're going to deal with bite-sized pieces, and we're going to be looking at it from the English Standard Version. Verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listened to you, you have gained your brother. The word sin in this passage implies that one brother has wronged another one. And I want you really to understand this, very clearly. It was an offense committed which was clear, evident, and obvious. I'm gonna say that again. This, this, this wasn't a rumor. This wasn't speculation. It was something which was clear, evident, and obvious. And step one in this process that Jesus gives us is enough to take care of the problem. First, the offender must go and tell the offending brother what he done wrong. Tell him his fault. Second, the offended brother, excuse me, the offending brother must listen. King James uses hear. See, listen to me to hear? And respond positively. The offending brother is to ask for forgiveness, to make restitution, or both. He is to do whatever is necessary to make this situation right. And if he does this, then reconciliation occurs. The matter is dead. Hear me now. You see, this is one of the most violated commandments in all of the Bible among Christians. Jesus' instruction is clear. The first step, meeting between the two brothers is just between him and him alone. The offender and defend thee alone. However, more often than not, the first step that happens when someone offends us is to tell somebody else. (laughs) Oh, we got a better way of doing it now. We embarrass that brother or sister by speaking about the situation publicly. It has been done even from the pulpit. But now in this modern technology area is now a social media. We're putting it all out there on social media. And when the offending brother or sister find out about it, everybody in your group knows. I submit to you that most of the church disputes would be settled so if Christians would follow Jesus' recommended first step. Go to that brother and go to him alone. But we know always that when we do that, sometimes it won't be false. So Jesus gave us step two in verse 16. But if he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence, evidence of two or three witnesses. If the offending brother will not listen and acknowledge his false step two is the solicitation of witnesses. Remember the offense must be clear, evident, and obvious. Not hearsay, not rumor, not what you thought, but something that was clear, evident, and obvious. If the offending brother will not respond to this one-on-one counseling, then confrontation with others who have witnessed, the offense is required. Step three. If he refuse to listen to them, tell it to the church. The church, Jesus Ecclesia, Jesus called out one, Jesus summoned one, represent an ecclesiastical court. Remember this word means dealing with the church. A church that, a, a court that is formed by church members. It could be an entire assembly or it could just be a special collective committee. But the purpose of this court is to administrate ecclesial judgment. Members of that court are presented as clear, this evident, this obvious evidence by the offending brother. And based upon the evidence, based upon the evidence, This ecclesiastical court rules on the matter. Well, how many of y'all know some folks are hard-headed? So Jesus gave us step forward. And if he refused to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. If the offending brother doesn't abide by the ruling of this ecclesiastical court, then they should render another verdict, which is to withdraw. I know it don't like it to be said, but to withdraw church membership. This is known as excommunication. Communication has to do with relationship. So separation from the church. Now the purpose of this what seems to be harsh action is to bring about restitution or restoration of the offending brother. I want y'all to get this now. Gentile and tax collection was considered the worst of sinners. Now keep in mind we're talking about another brother that's in the church. But run, the church is called to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus saying, Treat this offending brother just like you would an unsaved visitor. Their refusal to listen to the church calls them to forfeit their rights, benefits, and privileges of church membership. As well as, and here's the hard part, personal fellowship of other believers. Read on in the text and don't need fellowship with them. Love them, be cordial to them, but let them know they're no longer a part of your fellowship or your circle. Now here's the teaching point one of the first things that are taught about interpretation of scripture in seminaries. What Jesus says next is pivotal to correct understanding of the two passages that are most often taken out of context. I know you say them. I don't say them. But we take these things out of context. I want you to keep in mind that's 16, follow 17, 17, follow 18. There is no break in this. So, what Jesus is going to say next relates to everything else. Verse 18. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus is talking about binding demonic influence. And loosing divine power. If you connect Jesus' word in verse 17 with verse 18, the correct interpretation most likely is going to be referring to binding an unrepentant spirit of that offending brother and loosing a spirit of reconciliation within him. I got another one for you that we most often quote. Miss quote, take out a comment, day. verse 19. Again, and I'm focusing on that again, I want you to see that. See, again, checks everything back. I say to you, if two or three agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done to them by the father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Notice this word again. It refers to verse 16. Thus, action anything must be interpreted in contact with verse 16. Jesus ain't talking about acting for material stuff. The Bible says that all we got to do is get together and we can act. That ain't what he talking about. He's talking about offending brothers. Not talking about acting for something you want. He's talking about restitution between brothers. Y'all see this word too? The same two witness the offense in verse 16 that was called to go with the brother are now called to pray for the brother. Jesus has promised that whenever they gather and pray, he will honor them with his presence. So when you gather together, where are you supposed to be praying for Just keep it in proper context. Those are Jesus' words. But the Apostle Paul has something to say about ecclesial judgment as well. So in our supporting text, the Apostle Paul became aware of two situations within the church at Corinth. First of all, one prominent member of the church was committing a clear, evident, and obvious sin. But the church did not address it with the cleavage of judgment. So Paul used some very strong terms to express his disappointment. Now I want y'all that, 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 that have to go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I know we're gonna to get to 6, but we got to look at this first brother as well. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that, not, that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. It's in the word. This sin that was clear and evident to all was an ancestral relationship between a man and his stepmother. It was a sin that even the unsaved frowned upon. And what made matters worse was that the church thought it was nothing. The word arrogant is translated puffed up in the King James. It means to put on airs. Not only did they think it was no big thing, and turn the blind eye to prayer. Some even bragged about how good God's grace was. Well, he, he, he's shacking up with his stepmama. He's still saying God's grace covered it. Y'all heard him say he ain't, God ain't through with him yet. Y'all heard him say, just pray for me. So y'all just pray for him. It became a laughing matter and a joke in the community. But Paul wasn't laughing. And neither was God. Verse 3. For though I, uh, for though after in the body, I am present in the spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such things. Paul may have planned a visit personally to correct this error, but he had already judged the matter. So them people said, you can't judge me, Tupac, or whatever. It's right here in the word. So the wise apostle, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, rendered his verdict. Verse 4. When you assemble in the name, notice this now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, are, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. This is excommunication. This is rejoined membership, but the purpose again was restoration. See, people don't put a lot of stock nowadays in church covenant. You may hear some people says, coming on the church, there's a church covenant. Church covering protects people we, we We don't like to see it, we don't even believe it. We just think just like the the uh this skit today, it ain't no big thing if I'm not a member of the church. Paul said it is. Because he, what he's saying is, if we will let this brother go, then Satan's going to have full reign on him. And that maybe some of the hell that he's going to go through is going to bring him to his need to repent. And that was the whole issue. Getting them to get out of this situation, confess it's wrong, and repent. That was the hope. They're going through this difficult time. He will come to his senses. Notice what Paul says in verse 6 Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leaven the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Paul explained the danger of a lying clear, obvious evidence of sin to remain in the church it is contagious. It is contagious because if they see one doing, somebody else say, "I can do it too." One thing that I have noticed: if you see that a pastor has committed a certain sin in a church, that church is going to be full of people that have done the same sin. Leaven represents sin. Or King James may say yeast. And I want you to think about bacon for those that know anything about it. It don't take a whole bunch of baking soda or yeast and a lump of bread for it to rise. So leaven represents sin. It's a spirit of evil that spreads. But Christ died to give us a new spirit. And we will embrace him and allow him. It will also spread. But the two cannot exist. You're going to have to get rid of the old. Now let me stop right here. I'm not talking about falling. Making mistakes. We're not talking about what they call perfect sinlessness. It ain't such thing. We're talking about habitual Sin that's clear and evidence to all. Paul reminds the church of of their responsibility of getting rid of that old leaven, that habitual sin. Christ paid the sin debt for the church with the life on the cross, so that the church could present it by him pure and holy. And it's another word we don't like, holy. Now my background and my Pentecostal background always taught me that holiness was about dress. If you didn't show your shoulders or didn't wear makeup, it, holiness ain't about that. Holiness is just being distinctly different from everything else around. Deacon Walker and his conversation with the individual that resulted in the skit showed the ramification of when church ain't doing what God has called them to do. It's contagious. That was the first event that Paul addressed. The second one was similar to what Jesus had addressed in Matthew 18. Disputes between Christians. Uses. This issue was so serious it's about to split the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When one of you has a grievance against another brother, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saint? Now, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent of trying a triple case? Do you know that we are to judge angels? How much more than marriage pertaining to this life? Some scholars believe this issue was, had to do about property or land ownership. But whatever the reason was, these two brothers ended up in court. And Paul rebuked them for their lack of faith and trust, brother Jeff. And their ignorance. He asked a series of questions to show how ignorant they was. And I'm just gonna deal with two and I'm gonna deal with the way I think that we can all understand. Don't y'all know that we will judge the world? Many people believe that this will occur after the millennium when Satan done spent a thousand years in the pit and then he's loose again. Shortly after that we're gonna have the white throne. But the Bible says in Revelation 24 that there will be many thrones and people sitting on there. That's going to be the church. We're going to reign with Christ and we're going to judge those who rejected Christ as Savior. So here's the bottom line. If the saints are going to be given the responsibility and the privilege and the blessing of judging in the afterlife, aren't we qualified to judge in this life? Another question, don't y'all know we're going to judge angels? This may be referring to those menacing spirits that serves us today. And it may be just like the beam of what they be getting reward. But there's a remote possibility we're going to judge the bad angels as well. We're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever. But regardless, the Bible says we're going to judge angelic beings. Now we're gonna judge angelic beings, aren't we qualified to judge human beings? Verse 4. So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this is your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to sell a dispute between brothers? Paul said, it don't make no sense to take a Christian brother to a non-Christian court. There ought to be somebody, somewhere in the church who can resolve these issues. Verse 7, to have a lawsuit at all with another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defraud? But you yourself wrong and defraud even your own brother. See, this lawsuit wasn't a matter of correcting a wrong or seeking justice. It was a mean of personal gratification of one brother at the expense of another. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, some people would prefer profess Christianity because they know this verse. I remember seeing a commercial once about a car dealer that was ripping people off. And they pushed the Christianity issue. But the film, secretly of Planet, caught them mocking. We don't cheat nobody. We Christians, ha, 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 ha. The very act of taking another brother who's a Christian to a non-Christian court is a defeat for the church. I want you to notice what Paul is saying, and I know this is one of them hard saying. Paul states it's better to lose the case than to lose your testimony. It was better to trust God's sovereign purpose and lose financially than to discredit the mission that Christ has given the church. You see, there are three problems with ecclesial judgment. Number one is ignorance. We just don't know because this ain't taught, this ain't preached. Fear. Some of us just plain scared. And three, the one that I think is perhaps the biggest one is we got sin in our lives and we feel unqualified and unworthy to judge others. Again, we are not talking about sinless perfection here. We're talking about clear and obvious sin within the church. But the Bible is clear on this matter of ecclesial judgment. The church should not let fear, ignorance, And sin stop us from feeling our responsibility. You see, we will be judged for not judging. Peter, who uh, that disciple that was always opening his mouth, got himself into a lot of trouble. In writing his letter, he said, judgment must begin at the household of God. This is in 1 Peter 4 and 17. And it says this, For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. Peter was writing to a saints who were going through a period of tremendous hardship and persecution. And people didn't understand why we're we going through all this. I serve the Lord I believe and pleaded with saying that it's time for those who belong in the body of Christ to be judged before he can judge the world. This is not a judgment of condemnation. This is the judgment of purification. And this purification comes by fire. The Lord wants to purge his church in order to strengthen his church. And that fire will will do two things. It will either burn up or will build up. And that's coming through the word of God. Peter says time. And I submit to the church family today, it's time. It's time for ministry leaders to stand up. You're in a leadership position, you need to stand up and when you see obvious things that are wrong, you need to address it. Ain't no need to come to me. You can tell somebody to sit down. You need to wait before you be a part of this ministry. Remember this, leader: a little leaven leaven the whole lump. I know sometimes we want a lot of people in our ministry, but it's better to have that Unleavened ministry with a few. It's time. It's time for those under leadership to step up. You see what's going on. You know what's going on. You know what's required for you to do whatever you do. I'm reminded of an incident. When I had my former church, church was full and the lady walked in. She looked up and she turned around. I was concerned at that time about people not coming to church, so I went out the back, called her in the front and asked her, ma'am, can I help you? What's wrong? And she explained to me that the guy that was in the choir, and I think he was getting ready to lead a song, was the same guy that hit on her in the club at Robins Air Force Base Saturday night. Not only is time for leadership to stand up and for those un- under Leisha to step up, it's time for those inmates to speak up. <laughs> don't assume that I know everything that's going on. Why is the pastor letting this person do that? Why is the pastor letting that? I don't know everything. God give me the spirit of discernment sometime. But if you know it, you need to deal with it like Jesus said. You go to that person. You don't need to be on this worship board. You don't need to be in the choir. You don't need to be on this board. You go to them. Stand up. Step up and speak up. People may not like you for it, but it's for their good. I'm getting ready to quit, y'all. I don't like doctors. Never have. As a young man, I used to go and see somebody, even grocery store, if they had on something white, I would start crying. I don't like shots. Never have. And I have to get my blood drawn at least by four times a year. Don't like none of it. I don't like medicine. Have to take it in the morning and take it in the evening. Don't like it. Like to get off of it. But the benefits of all these unpleasantries speak for themselves. I'm able to come in here and talk to y'all. Don't like it. But it's beneficial. The word of God is like nothing. May not taste good. May not feel good. But it, pre- it prevents certain things, and it heals certain things. I think it was. I remember my, one of my doctors visited. And <laughs> some wasn't quite right. And I was asked a question. Pastor, are you taking your medicine? Is something going on wrong in your life? You getting some bad diagnosis in your spiritual life, in your household, just maybe you ain't taking your medicine. I mean, it's good to come in here and hear the good sermon. It's good to end on a note, bow down, but sometimes this message will make you feel bad. My wife and I were talking about casserole yesterday. No matter how daddy tried to make it, tasted it, it didn't. But my sisters and I went through that whole winter without catching the flu. Every year they push this thing about taking the flu shot. But I got a better one for you. Have you taken your sin shot? Unlike the flu shot, which you got to take every year. This shot, you ain't got to take it one time. Did you take your medicine? Let us stay. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.